This is Chris Osborne from Play Comics, and you are listening to Genuine Chit Chat. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm joined by the entrepreneur, owner, and chairman of several companies, as well as being the author of 17 books, Brad Sugars. Now, although this chat is only 50 minutes long, we cover a lot of ground, and it's an incredibly inspirational podcast, so I think that after you've been listening to this, you'll definitely be motivated to pursue whatever it is that you're pursuing in life. So a quick summary, we basically talk about Brad's entrepreneurial journey, discussing his company Action Coach, we kind of started the majority of it off. Um, he talks about why he thinks traveling is so important and his experiences in sort of talking to people one-to-one uh, compared to speaking to large groups of people in seminars and things, which is what he spends quite a bit of his time doing now, at least. We then talk about the importance of learning from multiple sources, as well as that struggle breeds character. Um, In addition to this, we talk about loads of other things, including refining one's product, whether that's in business or music or wherever really, um, why people need to look ahead to remain relevant, how the internet is neither good or bad. Uh, We talk about Brad's bucket lists. We have some quick fire questions at the end about health and a few other things. So it's a nice wide berth, especially for anyone looking to either go down some entrepreneurial pursuits of their own, or someone who just wants to hear about someone who is successful and what goes on there. Now, there's no promo today, but you should have heard in the intro, there was a Chris Osborne from Play Comics, so I included a link to them in the description. Go check out Play Comics, it's awesome. And their Facebook group is great, lots of uh, tasty nerdy stuff in there as well, so be sure to check that out. Now, I'll be back at the end to talk about what's coming up and a few more details about this show and things like that. So be sure to stay tuned after the chat with Brad to hear a lot more. And, um, you know, as always, guys, I appreciate each and every one of you listening. Be sure to follow on the usual social media places, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Leaving reviews on iTunes really means a lot. You know, it helps people kind of see the show and things. And sharing via word of mouth is also a massive, massive thing. So I appreciate any of you doing any of those things. And I really hope you enjoy this chat like I did. I'll talk to all of you at the end. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people, and I'm your host, Mike Burton. I am joined today by Brad Sugars. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the show, Brad. I really appreciate it. Mike, it's good to be with you. Yeah, I mean... You are a very busy man and probably, I'd probably say the most successful person I've ever spoken to. So it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, not only are you like an entrepreneur, but also you've written, what was it, 16 books as well? Uh, yeah, the newest one was number 17, Pulling Profits <laughs> Out of a Hat. So that's book number 17. That's mad. I mean, the fact that you can run the companies and um, you've got like a, a rich family life as well as writing all these books and things. I mean, you're an insanely busy person. So I, I want to get into sort of how you manage that and things. But I thought we'd kind of jump to the almost the start of um, sort of almost what qualifications, if any, did you get to begin with and what kind of started you on your entrepreneurial journey? You know, it's interesting because my entrepreneurial journey started well before college, university type stuff. It started uh, in, when I was in high school and, uh, as a kid, uh, you know, my family was okay off, but if you wanted any luxuries, it was like go and earn it yourself type thing. And so that's what I started doing as a 13 year old boy started actually wanting to make enough money to pay for some things for myself to, you know, we moved a lot as kids. And so, uh, when you went to a new new school, it was definitely not being the cool kid. It was just having some things. So, but action coach started purely out of, uh, it was purely an accident. You know, I started by uh, trying to help people I knew with their business and boom, all of a sudden I'm giving speeches. And then from speeches, people ask, can you help us? And it was like, 
well, I, I, not really. I'm busy running my other businesses. So um, maybe if you just call me once a week, I can coach you through some things. And here we are 26 years later, uh, coaching in over 80 countries now. Uh, we just opened in Russia. So it's kind of cool. Oh, we wow. get to coach in Russia, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, my home country of Australia, all across here, the US and Latin America, you name it, we're pretty much there other than the, you know, we're getting through more of Africa, I think we'll get to there. My goal no, is 120 it's... countries because uh, McDonald's is in 119. So that... <laughs> that's a really, that's a brilliant way of trying to measure it in a sense. Like uh, if you're going to um, outdo that, that'd be incredible. I mean, yeah. g- going into sort of action coach, um, obviously we don't have the huge amount of time, so I can't get into the huge depths of it. But what is the thing about action coach that you think has kind of made it above most of the other sort of coaching things? Because a lot of people out there who, you know, want to be coaching and things, but mm. your action coach has won loads of awards. And obviously, as you say, it's around so many countries across the world. It's so universal. What do you think makes it so much more uh, impactful than a lot of the other ones? You know, I think it's probably three main things. Number one, everything that we teach is based on stuff I do every day. So, you know, I, I'm busy most of the time running other companies. Now, when I say busy, I'm going to have to be honest, Mike. You made it sound like I actually do a lot. I only work two days a week to run the nine companies. I don't, I don't uh, work any more than that. I have some great CEOs who do all the company running for me. Early days, I definitely was the busiest man. But these days, I'm more busy with the five kids and my wife than I am with uh, business. But that being said, I still get to travel the world. I do 38 different events that I speak at each year. Uh, and and speak around the world, but I think what what really sets it apart first of all is that everything we teach is based on stuff I do every day. So all my books are written based on what I do. All my seminars are stories about companies that I've built and how I did it. Not theoretical. Not gee, this might work. It's this is actually what I did. This is the actual thing we did, and and it worked this way. And these are the ten steps we took. So. I think that the practicality of learning is a big part. I think the second is that, uh, you know, we, before I even wrote my book, The Business Coach on how to do grow a business, we'd already coached 13,000 companies. So today around the world, every week, my coaches work with 18,000 business owners or execs one-on-one and about, and hundreds of thousands in our group programs every month. And the reason I bring that up is because everything we do is not just from what I've learned, but it's also worked with lots of our clients uh, around the world. I think the third thing is that uh, I recruit the best people. You want to have the best business, you just recruit the best people. You know, it's, I didn't really build Action Coach. Yeah, I, I was the founder and stuff, but I, I recruited a ton of great people who, they're the ones who really build your business. And if anyone understands business, they understand that you won't build it, your people will. And if you build your people, then they'll build a great business for you. Mm, yeah. And it's like, um, I mean, collaboration is one of those things that in, in any avenue you go into, be it music or movies or, you know, podcasting or obviously being a, a business owner. I mean, all mm. of them in their own way are kind of businesses. It's just kind of how um, how you kind of want to perceive well, the, them. The music business is a business. Oh, yeah. Everything is, is, I mean, it's got to make money to pay for itself or, or unless you're funded by some rich uh, person on the side. But, you know, everything has to have value. Now, whether you think of the finances or you think of the value that it adds, if you add more value than it costs to be with you, then, of course, you get lots more new customers. Like the band, you know, you, when you talk about a band, that's their exact job. They're going to add more value to the people than it costs to buy a ticket type thing. And if you add more value than it costs to buy a ticket, I'll keep coming back. But if I go and I don't get the value added, I'm not coming back to another concert. 
I love going to concerts. I'm pretty lucky. I live here in Las Vegas, and uh, we've had Sir Paul McCartney, Elton John, Eric Clapton in this last month. It's like, oh wow, dang. talk about bucket list acts, and it's oh, not about. Say. I mean, it's funny, you know. A lot of these bucket list acts are not about people who we get to before we die. It's before they go. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, all of those people are absolutely, you know, phenomenal. And being in Vegas, obviously, it's like um, one of the big uh, center points of America. So I was going to ask, obviously, you being uh, from Australia, what made you go to America? Was it the business or and what made you go to Vegas? Well, I chose America based on one simple thing. In Australia, I was a big fish in a little pond. And uh, we already were running the business in multiple countries across uh, the world. But I sat down and said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it as a, a I've got to go to the biggest pond there is. And, you know, the U.S. is the world's largest economy, has the most billionaires of any part of the world. So it's like, let me go and, and try my hand there. And then I moved to California originally, but California is um, uh, just not my cup of tea. And they also have a, uh, a wonderful thing called 14% state tax, which really didn't sit well with me. And Nevada has none. But also being in Australia, it was like, what other fun place is there to live? And there's no more fun place than Las Vegas. And it's interesting. People always say, why Las Vegas? And I say, well, have you ever been off the strip? Have you ever been to the city of Las Vegas? You know, not the, the party street of Las Vegas. And they're like, well, no. I said, well, when you go to normal cities, do you only go to the party street or do you go everywhere else? Just our party street's a little bigger than most. <laughs> That's a very good way of putting it. And obviously, you mentioned about traveling and things. And I've noticed from some of the about research I did before our chat, um, I've noticed one of the key things you say to people of like, um, is how important traveling is. And I assume mm. you, that's because of uh, the perspective and the change. And you can pick things from other people's cultures and kind of like the value that you say when you have like people collaborating. You have mm-hmm. all these individuals and you use all of their strongest feats to bring together a huge, like super massive feat in a sense. Mm. And is that where you kind of find the value in traveling is? I think there's three main reasons I love travel. One is just the fun part of it. Yeah, I, mean, heck, yeah, I love travel. It's a heck of a lot of fun. I mean, I've, I've set my business up so that it makes sure I travel to all these different parts of the world every year. And if you can, you make sure your business – see, I, I, one of my businesses is called Bucketless Life Coaching. And uh, the whole point of that is to build your life plan first and your business or your work plan second. Mm. You know, the whole aim of business is to give you more life. And that's really what we're looking to do there. But – uh, the second reason I love travel is it, it's, it just it gets you away from your stock standard day to day. It gets you out of your routine. So you, you're thinking different just from that. And then third is the things you get to see and experience when you're there. I mean, from a businessman's perspective, I learn so many things when I travel because I just see the way it's done in different parts of the world. And you think, dang, that's not done back where I live. I'll bring that idea back type thing. And I see that all the time. I mean, I, I bought a commercial cleaning business down in Australia that, that they just do things in a different way to what's done here in the States and over in the UK. And so, you know, now I'm expanding it through the UK and next we'll expand it through the United States. I bought a property management company down in Houston, Texas and I'm thinking, wow, how they're doing it here in Texas is so different to the rest of America. And so now that's expanding across uh, all of the United States. And so, that's really from a business guy's perspective why I love travel just to see what's different see how they do it I think that's what we should all strive to see more of the world to learn more about it yeah I mean people can get sort of stuck in the rut in a sense and um, being in around you know uh, all the same people all the same everything you get almost you stuck in a rut stuck in an echo chamber in a lot of ways and it's it's like a breath of fresh air for for lack of a better word almost your soul isn't it or just going to somewhere new you know it's it's hard to achieve more without becoming more 
You know, you got to become better at whatever it is you want. A wise man said to me many years ago, Jim Rohn, he said, never wish your life were easier, wish that you were better. And uh, if you ever want an easier life, you just got to get better at life. You want better relationships, get better relationships. You want better sales, get better at sales. Want better anything, you just got to get better at it. But the reason I bring that up is because, you know, when we sit back and we start looking at what's going to teach us the most, where are we going to learn the most? Great mentors is, is very high up on the list. Hence, you know, why I started a business coaching company to let people find great mentors. But I think also that uh, the ability to get into a new environment allows you to grow. The same as, you know, you go to a concert, it's different than listening to the thing on your headphones. You know, it's, you're in an environment that shifts who you are. And that's why I, I like it. I do a lot of speaking and a lot of workshops and speak at a lot of conferences around the world. And one of the things I notice is if people just read the book, it's one thing. They get all the knowledge. But when they come and listen live, they actually, it changes who they are as a person. They shift who they are at, as you said, at a soul level. I call it their identity shifts. And when identity shifts, the world follows. That's a very good way of putting it. And it's funny what you say about this sort of speaking, because I was going to ask about that. Like, obviously, you have spoken to, I assume, many, many people one-on-one with that sort of coaching mm-hmm. and going up to sort of doing uh, seminars with, I imagine, hundreds, if not thousands of people. So mm-hmm. what is, how do you have to present it differently in sort of a, a micro setting compared to like a larger setting? Obviously, there's not that one-to-one communication, but like, mm-hmm. it must feel very different to do and presenting. Yeah, look, it's very different. Although as a coach, your number one tool is questions. And so when I'm on a stage, I'm asking a lot of questions of the audience to make them think. See, a lot of people go to speeches and they get bored and stuff for one simple reason. The speaker is doing nothing more than reading their PowerPoint to you. And it's like, dude, I read it before you even got to the first sentence. You know, the brain can read four times faster than you can speak. So don't even think about it. But if you tell a lot of stories and ask a lot of questions when you're on stage, then Everyone stays away. I was just up in Omaha, Nebraska, and I had a guy come up to me at the end of it. He says, four hours. I did not fall asleep once, didn't get a, you know, he said, you're pretty good at this. So, well, you know, <laughs> a couple of years doing it type thing. But the reason I, I, I sort of point that out is that when I'm one-to-one with people, I'm asking about their business, the questions are making them think. See, if you understand educare, education comes from the Latin root, the word educare, meaning to draw out. And thus, you use a lot of questions, you get that knowledge coming out of people. Most people know what to do to, in order to succeed. It's not the what to do or the how to do it even in many cases. It's the actual gumption to get over it. I have a formula for change, which is D times V plus F has to be greater than R, which stands for dissatisfaction times vision plus the first steps have to be greater than your resistance. Most of what I do as a coach is help people overcome their resistance to doing what needs to be done. You know, it's like I I teach success and often it's not, I don't have to teach you anything to do to do success. I just have to stop you doing the things that are making you unsuccessful. I don't have to teach you wealth. I have to stop you doing the things that are making you poor, you know, and like health. I don't have to teach you health. The body will naturally be healthy. I just have to stop you doing the things that are making you unhealthy. And so when you look at it from that perspective, If someone has a level of dissatisfaction, they will move to change. If someone has a vision of where they're going to go, they will change. Most people already know the first steps. But if if we can reduce that resistance rate, people don't come to a coach unless they actually want change. People don't come to a workshop or a seminar. I always say seminars don't work, but people that come to them do. Because if you come to the seminar, we know you're the type of person that actually wants to learn, wants to grow, and therefore you will apply and do that stuff. 
It's the people who aren't learning and aren't growing that are sitting back that, you know, they're the ones who are complaining about where it is. And that's why I love, I, I listen to your podcast over the weekend and it's just like the people that's, if you, by the way, if it's your first one with Mike, subscribe to it. Don't just listen once. <laughs> it, the people that understand learning and it's not just one thing, you can learn from so many environments. And that's why I love the diversity of your podcast. Well, thank you very much. It means a lot, especially coming from an individual such as yourself teaching success and things. But I'm one of those people who knowledge, you know, there's a there's that old trope, you know, knowledge is power, but it's, it's, it's much more than that than just mm. power. It's everything is is knowledge it's like everything you can learn and and it's funny when you said about the sort of um, you know you ask people questions a lot when you have these seminars and things and, and one thing that i've thought of is a lot of the time people have maybe their own answers in their own head but a, a very quick uh, metaphor I think of people's thoughts in their head as almost like lava lamp wax, you know, and you've got hundreds of thoughts going on and they're all this big glob of hundreds of colors and you can't think straight. Once you either say it out loud or you write it down, it translates it from this waxy mess to actual uh, readable, understandable thoughts. And I think a lot of what you do is when you ask the people the questions, they already had the answers, but they have to draw out the answer for themselves and actually confront it. Because, you know, Mm. having an idea is such a peculiar thing. You can a lot of the time have like a a vague idea of things, but you kind of push people to actually go, no, don't have it vague. Refine what you're thinking and bring it forward. You've got the answer. You just need to refine it. Is that kind Mm -hmm. of like an angle you go for? I think, I think that's very well put. You know, the, the quality of the question determines the quality of the answer. And what a great coach does is they ask you a better quality of question than you're asking yourself. Mm. You know, I, I meet average business owner says to me, you know, how do I grow by 10%? I said, that's a stupid question. You know, why wouldn't you ask, how do you grow by 10 times, 30 times? You know, so my latest book, uh, Pulling Profits Out of a Hat, was designed to help people learn exponential growth in business. And the first whole section is why are you asking yourself to grow by 10%? Why, why are you even thinking that that's okay? And, you know, too many people, they want to change, but they want to change in such a minute way that the brain doesn't actually have to think any different for that minute difference. It's just got to do a little bit more, or a little bit harder. And that little bit more, a little bit harder becomes a trap. You trap yourself in a little bit more, a little bit harder, and therefore the quality shifts by maybe a few percent each year. And therefore, you know, with inflation and everything, it doesn't really shift that much. Mm. I think that, you know, if I could challenge people to one thing, it would be to think entirely differently and to go for, you know, I see people working jobs they don't like. I see business owners doing, uh, running a business where they literally work 80 hours a week, not making that much money. And it's like, come on, you, you know there has to be a better way. Are you searching for it? But that comes back to the whole, you can't out-earn your learning. If, if the most you ever, ma- ever learned to make a year was 100 grand, that's the most you make in a year. You know, you've got to learn that whole thing. It's, it's like any subject, I guess. If you want to be good at it, you got to learn it. Mm-hmm. I had a guy I had a guy's meeting with a, probably two weeks ago, and he says, but Brad, I'm no good at sales. Uh, well, really, how many sales training courses you've been on? He said, well, none. I said, well, how many sales books you read? Well, none. Well, of course you're no good at it. I mean, you can't expect to be good at something you've never learned. Don't be crazy about that. And if people don't learn money, they're never going to be good at money. If people don't learn happiness, they're never going to be good at happiness. So you got to learn things to be good at it. Yeah, I agree completely. And it kind of falls into that sort of, um, sort of. I think of struggle breeds character in, in a sense of both. <laughs> obviously, you say from when you were younger, you had to work to to 
get things essentially mm. you weren't all handed everything and i have a lot of these people who become complacent they you know I, i've said it before where like um i've had it where uh, i don't know if you know this but uh, my father passed away when i was 19 and it was the worst thing that's ever happened to me but it's the best thing that's ever happened to my character mm. it's the the struggle of going through that and overcoming that made me a person today that i wouldn't have been going through that and obviously mm-hmm. that's a very extreme example but it's that sort yeah. of thing of you you obviously what you were saying that now that you don't have to work quite as much because you put all the work in when you needed to and that's mm. what it's got to be is that like you push yourself through things people just want to be like you know i want to be good at guitar okay well you want to be good what fairly good do you want to be amazing oh, i want to be amazing at guitar okay how many hours are you putting in oh i try yeah. like 10 10 minutes like a week or something it's like well if you want yeah, to be good you happen. have to put it in <laughs> exactly people want the things immediately and quickly and i think do you think have you found with uh the internet becoming much more of a, a bigger thing with social media instant gratification culture do you think people have actually become more lazy or do you think that's more of a it seems that way in reality things haven't changed that much Listen, I'll cover that uh, three different ways. Number one, you go through that struggle to get better. Well, the reality of that is that if uh, Ilya Prigogine did a whole thing on this, won a Nobel Science Prize for it, that there cannot be growth without pressure. If there's no pressure, there is no growth. And so for anyone to really grow, for a team of people, for a business to grow, there must be pressure put upon it. And that's what you're, you, know, you explained. Your level of growth through that pressure would have been phenomenal in your character, in all your skills, in all of the things that were there. Of course, it's a, it's a horrible negative. And you don't have to have horrible negatives to, to have growth. You, you can sometimes have positives to have that as well, especially in business or success. You set a big goal, which makes you, puts pressure on you to go and perform. The second way I look at that is um, you mentioned, you know, I did the work early and all that. Well, that's, that's the definition of a simple thing called leverage. Do the work once, get paid forever, or do the work once, get paid long term. And that's always been my job is, is, you know, I'm the owner of the business. I got to do the long-term work, not the short-term work. And the owner of the wealth in my family, I got to do the long-term investing, not the short-term stuff. And I think that too many people are so wrapped up in do the work once, get paid once that, you know, they want to make that money immediately. They're Friday night rich. And then come Monday, they're eating ramen noodles. Um, you know, it just doesn't work that way. And then the third point you brought up about social media, listen, the world has shifted and is shifting at such a rate of knots that people can't understand. You know, we look at, you know, abject poverty has almost been removed from the planet. Those living on a less than a dollar a day type thing. It's always been removed. The level of change on our planet is, is at such a rapid rate. Now, has this generation gotten lazier than the previous generation? I don't know. You know, my generation was called the laziest generation to ever exist. Those who grew up in the 60s were called the worst generation to ever exist. Millennials are being called the laziest generation to ever exist. Well, hang on a second. This so-called lazy generation is inventing things at a faster rate of knots than ever has been done before. This so-called lazy generation is taking advantage of artificial intelligence at a level that's never been done before. They're, see, marketing has gotten harder but easier. Marketing, when you're in business... 30, 40 years ago, you place an ad in yellow pages, one on the radio, one on the newspaper, one on the and TV, and you were done. Now, marketing has gotten so much harder that you've got to actually be very good at it. You've got to, instead of just placing four things, now you've actually got to place 400 ads niche down to the most tiny targeted audience you can possibly have. Marketing's become so targeted and so niche that you have an ability to hit any target audience you want anywhere in the world at any time of day or night. It's so phenomenally cool that you, you couldn't be more excited if you were a marketer today than ever before in the history of marketing. 
and yet some people are looking at it saying it's, it's, it's harder. Has it created a lazier generation? No, it's definitely created a more instant gratification generation, but that's been many years in the making. If we go back to the baby boomers, well, baby boomers didn't throw stuff out. They fixed stuff, okay, because it was too expensive. Things were expensive. Uh, you, you bought it. You fixed it. You, you did that. And that's why baby boomers had to learn to fix things and learn to think for themselves, and it was a different way of going. Gen X and Gen Y, well, it gradually got more and more because the production cost kept coming down and down and down and down. And all of a sudden, um, there's, there's a whole bunch of things happening out there in the marketplace that are different to what's happening with uh, generations gone by. So we sit here and we say, is this generation uh, and is the, the world moving to, yeah, the world's definitely moving to faster. That is 100% certain. Everything is much, much faster today. And are you getting left behind? Well, certain people are definitely getting left behind. That being said, it's the ability to take time out and slow the heck down when the best ideas come. The best ideas don't come when you're speeding along. The best ideas come when you slow down and let the brain have not all that input, but actually sit down and be quiet and go, oh, my brain can actually give me output of ideas now, not just input of ideas. Mm. And there's two points I, I want to uh, kind of go there. Uh, one thing was um, with the the way you said about the marketing thing. I think of it in a similar way of music. Um, nowadays with music, you know, anyone can release uh, music. You know, I've got a microphone here. If I played an acoustic guitar, I could, you know, do it and put it on Spotify or whatever. And a lot <laughs> of people say that obviously the music market is oversaturated, which I don't disagree <laughs> with. But what I think has happened now is because everyone has a platform, it means that it really refines those who have to push above. It really means that before it was more so if you have the resources like in the you know 60s 70s 80s for example you know with music if you had enough money to get on the radio there weren't that many people on the radio comparatively so you mm. would probably higher percent a percent chance of getting bigger whereas nowadays because anyone can go on spotify or the playlists and things like that people have to work so much not necessarily harder but you have to refine what you're saying and it's the same with marketing it's you have to refine what you're doing to stand above the rest because Everyone has that start. Everyone starts yep. a step higher, but everyone starts a step higher. So you have to do another five steps. Well, if you look at it, if you go back 40 years in the music business, you had to get refined before a label would even take you. Hmm. Now you have to get refined before the market will, ex will, will start. Now you'll get a small following in the beginning, but as you refine and refine and refine, then it happens. It's just a different way of getting to that same level where you hit critical mass, where the market sees you. You know, mm. critical mass has always been around. Um, the, the music business is the same, but entirely different. You still have to struggle and play in pubs and bars and do all of that crazy stuff and, you know, learn your craft and get real good at it. And you see it, I, you know, Keith, I'm a country music fan here in the States and Keith mm. Urban, my good Aussie buddy. I remember when Keith used to play in pubs with a guy named Tuffy back in Australia and learn his craft as a teenage boy, banging it out in pubs, learning to be an entertainer. You know, and now he's a superstar rock star. But see, in today's world, Keith wouldn't have been playing in the pub so much. He would have been on Spotify or online putting YouTube videos out and doing it in a different way and seeing if the likes and, and follows come from that song. So it's just a different way of getting the, the grouping type thing. I think it's in many ways, it's much easier today, but it's also much harder. You know, so, but that's the same with anything. Every innovation leads to, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you can't have it easier and harder and uh, easier and only easier. It's sort of, you're going to have both banging that thing. And the same is true for any business person. When I watch business people and, and, and 
you know, you, you look at the music business, it is a business. And if I compare, you know, the, the, the drummer in a band is sort of the, the, the I won't say the bottom end because maybe it could be the keyboard players, the bottom end. But, <laughs> you know, the drummer in the band is the, 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 the bottom of the thing to you have iTunes and Spotify at the top end of the music business. And here's iTunes makes absolutely no music whatsoever, but takes a 30% cut off of every song on a machine that was invented by Sony uh, and Sony's it's mostly Sony's music. So, you know, let's, let's make the fun of, of that point. But you sit down and you look at what is your strategy for being in the music business and, and your strategy can be from the, the, the very most rudimentary strategy in business right through to the highest level strategy in business. And it doesn't matter what business you're in, you still got to get the right strategy if you want to have that massive game, that massive exponential play. And so, I sit back and I look at, uh, when, when I look at the five core disciplines of growing a business, which they're all in the book. So it's the reason I write books is I don't ever have to teach it again. I can teach new things type thing. But when you sit down and you look at those core disciplines, the core disciplines, I use that word discipline because you've always got to keep getting better. You never get in business. You never get marketing, right? You get it right for today, but the marketing that's working today, probably next week will have to shift a little bit to work again. And especially with online and the way it's moving and everything's changing so dramatically, we've we've got to look at that. And I can see that just by the way you're talking about things, I mean, uh, I wouldn't have made uh, this false assumption because obviously uh, researched you and things like that. And I want you to come on the podcast and whatnot. But obviously when people hear sort of CEO, uh, top of the sort of food chain in a sense, a lot of money, they can often have this... Uh, biases which is just like oh they're up there and they're disconnected <laughs> from like everything else but i think with truly successful individuals uh, such as yourself you really have to have that eye on on everything like some of the greatest people there's um i was podcast listening to the other day and it was like you can be like uh i think it's roger federer or tiger woods now tiger woods from a very young age he all he did was golf just golf 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 and then roger federer he played um you know tennis as well as i think football and loads of other different things and the culmination of federer had meant that he had all the applicable skills from all the different range of things and he could use it different parts from each one of those um obviously the tiger woods model can work if you just put your head in and solely focus on tunnel vision but i think with the market changing in the way it is and especially with businesses you know you know 10 years ago so many businesses that didn't exist and the other way around 10 10 years ago some businesses you thought they're never going to disappear and now they've just gone forever in theory mm. and so it's like you must being in a sense at the top you must have to keep an eye on a lot of unexpected a lot of things that people from say the bottom in air quotes wouldn't really realize you seem to have your eye on the ball of like every mm. aspect of things look let's just go back and understand that success doesn't happen by accident to get successful is one thing to stay there that's a whole other combination of, of things i mean it's one of my good buddies marshall goldsmith wrote a book called what got you here won't get you there and it's, it's a great, simple philosophy that, you know, what got me to where I am is not going to get me to where I want to go, because if it would, then I would have already been there, you know? And so what I have to do as the chairman of all of the companies that I own and run is I actually have to keep my eye on five, 10 years from now. You know, my main job is not today. My main job is not tomorrow. My main job is five, 10 years from now. Where are we going? You know, what are we aiming to achieve in that time frame? Because that to me is where the real success is coming. It's like I'm sitting here with my team talking about what's our strategy in Africa right now, because Africa is going to go from a billion to three billion people over the next 50 to 100 years. 
you know, and, and you start looking at that. And I sit down with companies here in America all the time and ask them, what's your strategy for India? India's got the highest level of millennials of any population around the world, more than 50% of the millennial generation of their country. You start to sit down and think about that. Well, India is going to, uh, you know, for the next 40 years, the age, it's going to keep growing in population base because that group will age out like the baby boomers did in America or the UK or Australia, that sort of thing. And so we see that stuff happening and we sit back and we go, hmm, so how do we apply all of this? How do we read all that? And that's what my job is, is to sort of keep looking at that future. We, we, average business needs to understand that change is coming and you can either be at the forefront of it or you can get beat up by it. If we look at Apple as an example, because we've used iTunes I've mentioned earlier, here's Apple. So what they invented the iPod, what, 17 years ago or so? So here they are, 17, well, they didn't invent it. Uh, <laughs> Sony invented it. They just made it look pretty, look pretty and gave it a decent name. Sony called it the MP3 player, really sexy name. Sony marketing <laughs> people, good job. Um, but if you go back to when Steve Jobs was fired from uh, his company and then he went off and ran Pixar, you know, he bought Pixar and turned it into a multi-billion dollar company, sold it to Disneyland. What he had to learn was leverage. Do the work once, get paid forever. See, Apple made a computer once, sold it once, right? They were a manufacturer. To sell another one, they had to make another one. Whereas at the other end of Silicon Valley, you got Bill Gates, became the richest guy in the world. How come? Well, because he made a piece of software once. Shitty piece of software in the beginning. Sorry, Bill. But, you know, it was better than anything else on the market because there wasn't anything else on the market. You know, and so you sit back and you look at it and you go, here's a guy that made a piece of software once, sold it billions and billions of times. Now they don't even sell it to you. They just rent it to you. You pay your annual subscription to, to do it. And you sit back and you look, Bill, when Steve Jobs came back to Apple, what was his first thing to do to get him into success? And he realized that, hey, we're not going to be successful just manufacturing and selling computers. You, you look at that model and Dell and Compaq and HP and all these others that have come and gone and come and gone and some have stayed and some are gone. Well, he turned them into the music business and, you know, and you sit back and you look at it. Here they are now selling apps. Apps wasn't even a thing. No one even knew what the heck apps was when, when they started. I don't think they even thought they would use apps in the beginning. To be real blunt, when you look at some of those earliest apps, the games that were on an iPod with the circle thing on it, you know, and, and you sit back and then they invented the bigger screen because people didn't want to play games on the small screen. All of a sudden now you got a big screen and then, oh, now we can sell movies and TV shows. I'm not sure there was genius behind that, but I'm, I'm certain that there is today. So, you know, as they launched their $4.99 a month uh, subscription service for TV and movies and stuff, that's kind of cool. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes to success and staying ahead. It's about every day. Keep learning. I keep hopping back to that one thing. If you want to be successful, keep learning. Yeah. And uh, exactly. And, you know, learning, you can never learn too much essentially. And it's just, you know, getting, you can learn from everywhere, but where do you think, I mean, it's a really vague question. So apologies for this, but sort of where do you think everything is going? Do you think in a sense of positive or, or negative? Do you think the market, the world, the way we are? Because there's a lot of negativity in the media and I think there's a lot of pessimists out there. <laughs> really? Like there's a lot be... of negativity in media? <laughs> oh my God. Why? Because it sells newspapers. But then again, look at today. The readership rates of newspapers is down to an all-time low. All-time mm, Exactly. Why? Because they're negative all the time. People don't even watch the news anymore. People get a little bit of news on their, on their feed and that's about all they really need. Exactly. Look, I'm, I'm very much positive about where the world is going because like anything, you know, we have, we have negatives, but um, you know, the world keeps moving in a positive direction. You look how much better the world is today 
You know, infant mortality is down dramatically. Uh, female education is just below the rate of male education right now. Uh, infant uh, uh, vaccination is at an all-time high on the planet. Uh, electricity grids are in more places today than they've ever been before. Road systems, rail systems. We've got more of this stuff in every part of the world. You literally have tens or hundreds of millions of people in China, India, and Africa moving into the middle class every year. The world's getting better. You know, when and crime and things have gone down, and you know, as you said, oh, crime is down so much, and people yeah. don't even recognize it. Like crime is down at, at the lowest levels it's ever been. You know, unfortunately, we do have the the, the the ridiculously awful conflict in Syria, which is putting a blight on uh, on our world stage. But other than that, we're doing pretty good as a society and business wise. Look. I love the fact that like you sit there in the UK, I'm sitting here in Vegas, we can be having a conversation and someone can be sitting in Croatia listening to us chat. And the, the world is getting better from the, from the point of view that everyone's able to get to the information that they want at the touch of their fingertips. And, you know, that's making us both smarter and dumber. You know, people don't think they have to learn it anymore. Like I don't have to learn geography. Why? I got Google maps. Well, maybe kind of learning geography would be a little bit of a smart thing to do. You know, it's <laughs> kind of that thing, but um, look, I'm very positive about where we're going as a society. I think that we're starting to, and, and luckily enough, the millennial generation has woken up to the, the environment, the first generation that's ever actually had to consider the planet not existing. And so, you know, with plastics and things, there's, there's a real, there's starting to become an urgency around that stuff. There's an urgency around removing plastic bags and straws and stupid stuff that's in plastic and single use plastic bottles. And, you know, the, the world is getting a lot better. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I mean, I've described myself um, previously. It's it's, it's a quite lame saying it out loud, but it's like as an optimistic pessimist. Okay, so I call myself a realist. <laughs> I prepare for the worst, but I hope for the best. And that's yeah. kind of how I go for my life. You know, I've had my ups and downs in my life for reasons we've uh, previously explained. It's like, even when the worst stuff happens, it's still like, things can still get better. We can always still try. And a lot of the time, just a positive attitude is enough to turn things around. Yeah. And I'm sure that you've had that sort of, in the many years that you've been in business and things like that, you, I'm sure you've had many times where you've hit the bottom and you think, well, how am I going to go from here? I'm just going to keep on going. I know I can do it. And that mm -hmm. attitude alone has pushed you through. Buddy, look, there's not one of us alive that hasn't gone through stupid stuff. And, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I've been... In the best of times when, you know, we're giving birth to our kids and my marriage and great experiences and fun times with family and friends. So the worst of times getting held at gunpoint in Mexico, being in a mass shooting here in Las Vegas and, you know, the most awful experiences of your entire life that, that, that you have to go through. And I would never wish anyone ever has to deal with any of that sort of stuff. But life's pretty damn good on the, on the flip side. You know, life's pretty good. You got some good friends, you got that stuff. And I'm lucky enough to have learned early on in my life how to be successful. I was lucky that at age 16, I won the Rotary Youth Leadership Award in my area. And uh, I think I won that because I, was, I, was, uh, I had some great mentors when I was in Boy Scouts. And, and some mm -hmm. of those leaders helped me become the young man that I was, not just my family, but some of those great leaders around me. And winning that award put me for a week-long training about success and leadership. And I think if anyone can help out a young person learn success, my my foundation, the Action Coach Foundation, what we do is educate young people how to be employers, not employees. You know, mm. how to actually go out there and be an entrepreneur rather than just go out and get a job. You know, the days of, if we look historically, up until about the 1920s and 30s, people worked for themselves. They didn't actually work for a big company. They all had their own business or they ran their own little farm or they 
bartered and traded and did that sort of thing. And then what happened in the 20s and 30s, right through to about 1954, in 1954, there's a book that was sort of like a transitional point in history called The Organizational Man. And it was all about, you know, you work for the big company and your job is to work for the big company. And everyone was sort of taught that way of being. And we're now gradually moving away from that. Everyone's moving away from, they don't want to work for the man. They don't want to work for the big company as much anymore. And we're gradually moving to a point where everyone wants to have their own business. Hence why my businesses are blowing up because that's what we do. We help people with doing that sort of thing. I think Mm. the more we see generations move and we're seeing us moving from a having culture to a living culture. We're moving from that where everyone wants to have more to everyone wants to experience more. And, and that is just such a generational shift where people don't want the stress of a massive mortgage and that sort of thing anymore. For me as an investor, I'm real happy about that. Good. Keep renting, <laughs> keep renting my houses. I love that. Excellent job. But I'm happy to teach both ways. I've written books on investing. In fact, my book called The Wealth Coach, which was designed for young people to teach them about money. Um, and how to become wealthy is, is, is a different way of thinking. Hmm. And it's interesting what you say there, because I think what a lot of the issues that people have is, uh, well, you clearly do the opposite of this. When people look at things very black or white, they go, this is bad, or this is good, or you know this thing. And it's like, there's positives and negatives in everything. And it's like with the internet, the internet, as we've kind of uh, previously touched on, is it's made the world smaller and bigger at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's made the world smaller because you know we can connect, you and I, we wouldn't be able to do that you know, 1,500 years ago. But then also, it's made it bigger because... I can see more into the the, the cracks and the more detail. It's, it's like the whole image may seem smaller, but it's got higher definition. You get closer to it. There's more mm. details. Oh, yeah. When there's a disaster on the other side of the planet, we see it in vivid 4D, you know, 1080p. It's right there in your face type thing. And that's, that's both good and bad that we're educated as to what's going on, but it makes us think there is more negative in the world than there actually is. Mm. You know, I would, I'd love to start a channel just called Good News. You know, it's, it's not CBS News or ABC News or BBC News. It's good news, you know, because I think that's what the world needs a lot more of. You know, listen, success is not something that is mysterious. Success is something that is formulaic. If you follow the formula, and this is what people say, what are the secrets to success? Secret is read books, you know, because guess what? Every secret to success is written down in a book. You know, and, and I teach you with a very simple formula, dream, goal, learn, plan, act. Dreams times goals times learning times plans times actions equals success. You got to have dreams, you know, and I don't care what your dream is, whether it's financial or experiential, whatever it is. But if, if you don't have dreams, they're not coming true. You know, and as you said earlier, you got to put pen to paper. There's a magic of when you write stuff down, it becomes thought, clarity, actual pen to paper. From there, you got to turn them into goals. You know, it's got to have a measurable result in the time frame. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. There's no pressure to make it happen. Therefore, and if you don't write a goal down, you don't do the learning. Like if I write a goal to double my income, then all of a sudden I got to do some learning on how to double your income. I might have to read half a dozen books, listen to a bunch of podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. And then you flip that over and you say, well, okay, once I've done the learning, then I can write the plan. There's no use writing a plan based on current knowledge because current knowledge got me here. It's not going to get me there got to get new knowledge. And this is where a lot of people, when they, they write down their goals and their friends go, oh, you can't achieve that. And you should say, yeah, you're right. The person I am today cannot actually achieve those goals. The person I am becoming, the person that is learning all of these things will knock those goals out of the park real quick. You, know, you got to grow into your goals. Your goals aren't something that you can achieve. Your goals are, if they were, that'd be a to-do list item, not a goal. 
you know, so we, we've got to grow into our goals. And that's why the learning and the planning takes place before the action does. And that's where success kicks in. Mm. And um, we're going to have to start to wrap up here. I mean, I feel like we could probably talk for hours and hours, but um, we've only got a few uh, little bit of time left. So mm. I want to ask a couple of things of you as well is, um, first of all, um, you you mentioned sort of bucket list things. Is there anything, I'm sure you've managed to tick off a lot of things now off your bucket list, but are there, is there any like one big thing that you still haven't quite sort of got to yet or something you're you're still achieving for? You know, uh, there's a bunch of things still on our bucket list. We keep a bucket list journal, and so the journal is full of all sorts of different things. And I mean, my girlfriend um, of the same. Yeah, you know, and in our journal, we have a different uh, heading on each page. And um, literally today, one of my teenage daughters sent me a link because we're going to Latin America for uh, summer next year. And we, we decided, because my wife loves waterfalls, we're going to go and visit the 10 best waterfalls in South America type thing. That's amazing. And, you know, so things like that, more experiential things. And uh one that's uh, near and dear. I- I'm a sports fan. I'm a sports nut. So uh, I, my buddies and I, we plan to jump on jet and fly to the, all of the college bowl games in January uh, in a couple of years' time, just do uh, game after game. So every day a different game. So not sure how we'll uh, cope with the, the uh, <laughs> drinking and partying, but I'm sure we'll, our livers will live through that thing. But you know, mostly experiential. But then again, as a dad, a lot of my bucket list items are now about my kids and helping them become, you know, great members of society and add value back to society that's taking care of them to get to where they are. Yeah, well, that's really that's a really noble uh, thing to think of as well. And it's it, it, with everything that sort of... There's so many paths we can go down, but obviously we've only got a limited time, which is um, upsetting to me. But I was going to say, like, life, what you kind of said about the sort of baby boomers or the previous generation more about having things is mm. it kind of links on with sort of hard working is that if you spend weeks and weeks and weeks working hard and str- struggling through and getting through the end goal, whatever that end goal is, I see that as when you're at the end of your life. You'll see you won't see the you know the week or two that you spent really like you know uh, like building a wardrobe for example. It's a really simple thing. It's because the wardrobe in front of me. When you build, when you make a wardrobe, you don't think of although that time your memory doesn't remember all that negative time of just grinding through and making the wardrobe. You remember that moment where you've done it, and that's kind of what life is. Life is all about the moments that make things brilliant. You struggle through, you push through, you become better, but at the end of it, it's just about those moments. It's about those experiences, and that's truly, I think, what being a human is. You never know when those experiences are going to show up, though. And that's the mm. whole challenge of it. People are like, well, those experiences show up on vacation. Not always. Sometimes those experiences show up when you and a coworker go and just grab a beer after work and you have this magical night where a band just starts playing and everything just falls into place type thing. You know, sometimes you never know. It's like someone says to me well, with your kids, you know, it's all about the quality time with them. Well, Again, with kids, you never know what's going to be the quality time. You got to give them quantity time to be able to get quality time. It just mm-hmm. that's just the way it works. Um, so, for me, when I sit back and I look at, it reminds me what you're saying. Reminds me of a little story about the American went down to Mexico and sees the Mexican guy on the beach, and uh, he's down there on the beach, and he's been out fishing for the day and caught the fisheries family. And the American says, "Well." why aren't you out there for a little longer? Then you could make some more, catch some more fish and you'd sell it at the market and have some extra money. So, well, why would I do that? Well, if you made enough extra money, you get a bigger boat and then you could go out and you could catch a lot of fish and sell it and have a lot of extra money and have a bigger house and all of those sorts of things. And he said, oh, really? Why would I do that? Well, then, you know, ultimately you could invest and have multiple boats and, you know, then you could have all this big business running and making you lots of money. So why would I do that? Well, then you would get to go and take vacations with your family. He said, what? And end up here on the beach in Mexico with my family like I am? <laughs> that is you know, brilliant. and it's like, 
it's it's a there's, there's multiple ways to live a life and no one should uh, choose what anyone else's way to live a life is. You should just say, you know, this is the way I chose. And um, I, I think that you go for that. And it's, you know, it, it brings me back to one other thing is people often ask me because I do podcasts all the time. And sometimes I pick just straight business ones and some have, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of followers and, and, and some have totally obscure things. And it's like, you know, my assistant said to me, what do you think? And I said, I like Mike's podcast. I think it's different. He has a very different audience than who I would normally speak with. But that's part of society is, is reaching out to all the different audiences and getting to different people. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of my jam is just like there is no right answer to anything. You know, any perspective is a perspective worth at least listening to. Uh, you don't have to agree with everything, but it's it's just all about, you know, with my podcast, not to get on my own ass or anything, but like all I want to do is just have, this is an excuse to talk to interesting people yeah, that, for yeah. me. And I think and, that's that's how everyone starts their podcast is like, okay, I want to talk to some people. Maybe if I start a podcast, but you mentioned something earlier about right, wrong, good, bad. The reality of the world is it all has to exist in threes. There's no such thing as right and wrong or up and down. There's up, down, middle. There's left, right, center. There's everything always has three to everything. So it's as a minimum type thing. It's like there's no black and white. There's all the all the colors in the middle. There's you know the mm. rainbow effect of things, and it's the same with opinions. But yeah, well, my friend Carla, she would love you saying that because she's always gone about threes. It's just everything comes in threes, and she's. <laughs> well, if you study Buckminster Fuller, tell her to study Bucky Fuller, one of the most intelligent minds of uh, of the generation that we've been through. And Bucky, uh, he invented the geodesic dome, which is made of triangles, and he broke everything down to threes because the triangle is the smallest building block on the planet. So, and through to the tetrahedron and everything from there. So, yeah, your friend will love studying Bucky Fuller. I'll definitely tell her. Yeah, that's great. And uh, I'll just start to wrap up uh, now as we are very much getting slow in, in time. A uh, quick fire question is um, health-wise, um, do you find that exercising and also meditation, do you find they are important for you as an individual? And do you think that it's important for successful people in general to do it? Obviously, everyone has a different thing. But do you think exercise, eating healthily and meditating, that sort of thing is, is a good practice for people if they want to get successful? Short, short answer, yes. You know, yep. the brain the brain can only operate at the capacity that the body allows it to. And uh, a body that's not operating at a peak level doesn't give enough oxygen to the brain, doesn't give enough uh, flow. So you, you just can't do that. So, yeah, health, all those sorts of things. Now, I've had periods in my life where, you know, I remember when, uh, when my wife had our last baby. The baby's only, what, uh, 16 months old. It was like, I'm pretty sure I went out in sympathy. Um, you know, it was like, honey, I'm not pregnant. I just look pregnant right now. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's one of those things. But I think that uh, taking care of your body and your mind and your spirit is is very important if you want to have success in any format of life. Mm -hmm. And before I forget to bring it up, um, York, I'll release this episode in a couple of days, uh, so it should come out on the 21st or 22nd, whatever day we're on now. I'm mm -hmm. terrible. But um, you're coming to the UK. Did you want to just quickly tell people... Well, yeah, I'm coming to the UK uh, the first couple of weeks of October, traveling around, uh, doing events each night, teaching people about business success and how to do that. So uh, if you just jump on, uh, if you just jump on Google and type in Brad Sugar's UK tour, I'm sure you'll find it across the, the way. But uh, yeah, I love coming to the England. I love, uh, you know, even though you guys kicked out all of us fun people 200 years ago, <laughs> well, I still enjoy coming back every now and then. Brilliant. And uh, the last thing all is um, obviously uh, your most recent book that's come out. We didn't really talk about that very much. So mm. apologies for that. But um, if you just want a, a quick summary of the book, I know you uh, co-wrote it with someone else as well. Just quick summary of the book. I'll include links and stuff. But yeah, yeah. why should people? Yeah, myself it? and Monty wrote this book about how to have exponential business growth and how 
corporations and small businesses and startups alike can actually build based on core disciplines of what makes businesses successful. So uh, it took us two years to put it together because we had to test everything on our clients and, and on our own businesses. But, you know, it's really just the core of what makes a business succeed. And as book number 17, I think they keep getting better every one I write. I was going to say, what last thing is, uh, with this book, what do you think is better than your other books? Because obviously you've got so many out there. Is it just every book you kind of refine or are they more specific niches and this is more of like a all over? Yeah, a lot of those are for different areas of it, that sort of thing. And uh, this one is more for how exponential growth is taken into a business. And so no book is better than any other. They're just on different subjects or different segments of business. And I think as a business person, you you have to realize that you need to be an all-rounder. You need to be good at I call it a generalist, you know, rather than a specialist. The more specialized you are in this day and age, the more chance you've got of being out of a job. The more generalist you are, the more chance you've got of succeeding. Well, fingers crossed for my podcast then. Well, Brad, it's been absolutely stellar to have you on genuinely. Um, you're an incredibly inspirational person. I think anyone listening to this will definitely get a boost into their day. So I really appreciate you taking the time out your day to speak to me. Mike, I love what you're doing. Keep educating everyone out there. Thanks for doing that. Thank you very much, Brad. Have a great one. And that's the end of the episode. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Um, I've included links to Brad's, well, the Action Coach website, um, the link to get Brad's book that he made as well with uh, Monty, uh, Pulling Profits Out of a Hat. Um, I've also included a link to his sort of UK seminar tour, essentially. Um, it's between the 1st of October 2019 and the 11th of October 2019. So if that's something that interests you, uh, you know, check out that link and things. Coming up, um, I've got a podcast scheduled for recording on Wednesday um, with a true crime podcaster who's an incredibly interesting individual Um, so I'm very excited about that chat I imagine that will be the one I'm releasing on Sunday but I'm not 100% sure at the moment but I'm I'm pretty certain it will be Um, I don't know if it's going to be a two-parter or one-parter I have no idea it's just going to depend how much time the guest has and obviously how the conversation goes Um, and I think I've got another podcast recording with someone, I think the following week as well, but I have already got a two-parter recorded with a gentleman called Tony Farina. Um, I'm probably going to hold on to that one uh, for a little while longer, only because, um, like with this Brad Sugars one, because of his UK sort of seminar tour, he obviously, it would be more beneficial for him for it to be released as early as possible. So we had that chat on Wednesday, I'm releasing it now. Or was it Thursday? I think we chatted on Thursday. This week we chatted and then, so it's only been the last couple of days that I uh, spoke with him. Um, and the one with Tony Farina, he hasn't got any specific rush to release it. And we chat over email over stuff as well. So there's no real rush for that. But that one was about, you know, education and the change to sort of online courses and things like that. So it's a very interesting podcast, but at least it's not specifically for current events or anything like that. Um in the recordings in the future um, I'm thinking about doing another science but simple with my buddy Josh because we haven't done one of those in a while I'm thinking about asking Reese to come on the show and do another podcast because obviously he's one of my best friends I love chatting with him um, maybe Bradley maybe I'll do a Christmas one I don't know I haven't really figured that out I mean I did a Christmas one last year and I don't I don't know I'm just kind of rambling now I'm just kind of it's only like September well I'm saying when I'm recording this it's only September so thinking about Christmas episodes isn't something I need to do right now but I've got a lot of cool podcasts lined up. Um, I've got a fairly big collaborative project that I've got planned with uh, Comics in Motion uh, and someone else as well. I don't want to 
say the name of someone else just in case they don't go into or anything like that but me and the guys in comics and motion we've always had a plan for this time of year around some sort of star wars speculation thing um so we're just in talks about doing potentially a star wars episode 9 speculation video what kind of we'd like to see and what we may or may not see um and then maybe doing a roundup as well of what we think of episode 7 and 8 um i'm going to be re-watching them soon as well with my girlfriend um, because she's only seen most of them once and obviously i've seen them many times but i do like to you know re-watch them before seeing the uh the finale of course i recently watched revenge of the sith fantastic i'm also getting my star wars tattoo finished uh in two weeks yeah two weeks saturday i think so as long as my skin didn't play up like it did last time uh this should get all finished um which obviously if any of you follow me on instagram you'll know that i do have or you should know but i posted ages ago that i have a star wars tattoo on my left um upper arm on my bicep tricep sort of area um of uh, it's like a red and black one and it's uh anakin and uh, obi-wan fighting on mustafar and then it's uh, a darth vader helmet as well so it's kind of encompassing the original trilogy and the uh prequel trilogy and then this new one is going to be well the new one is almost finished i just haven't taken a photo and put it online yet because it's still got four more hours that'll be done and that'll be a total of 10 11 hours um under the gun make it sound so grandiose and then i'll be able to put a picture up of that um because i love my star wars tattoos and be hopefully getting a full star wars sleeve probably by the time i'm 30 but i need to see how episode 9 is because if kylo ren is cool then i'll definitely be having a kylo ren tattoo because i loved him in the 7 and 8 but we'll see how he uh is in episode 9 i may get a darth maul one i may because i love him in clone wars and rebels i make it a mix I don't really know and barely any of you even know what my arm looks like so I am definitely rambling on and a lot of the people who've been listening to this podcast may have never listened to me before and are just listening because of Brad Sugars so sorry about that guys at the end of this I always just ramble on so you know you get the juicy well put together and well edited intro you get the main chat which is what everyone's there for where the guest is always more interesting than I am and then in the end you get me kind of say what's coming up and then kind of just ramble into nothingness until I think it's time to stop which we are coming to that point um, but I just want to reiterate what I say uh, at the end at every show you know i do really appreciate anyone taking the time out of their day to listen to this you know there are so many podcasts out there and you know this is more of just an excuse for me to talk to people that i find interesting um brad is obviously one of them and all the other people in my podcast i'm very honored to have on even friends of mine who are willing to you know take time out of their day to spend two hours sat with me in a room of recording so you know i really really appreciate you guys listening and you know if um, no one has to do this obviously and i couldn't force you even if i wanted it to but if you share this via word of mouth it, it's so it's so appreciated and if you share it on social media tell people to listen to it you know as i often say you know i don't spend any money on advertising i tried facebook advertising for a short while and it just did nothing and cost a fair amount of money so i just rely on uh, cross promotion uh, collaborations being on other people's shows which i do have a few more lined up before this year is out uh, and people sharing my work and things you know our work really me and all my guests is my entire podcast is a collaborative effort i mean i've only done one solo pod and i think i think this is the hundredth uh it's the hundredth release on the genuine chit chat feed but it's the 70th episode because i've done quite a few two-parters and things and i think itunes has like numerical next to them so that's why i know it i think it's 100 it might be 99 i might be talking my ass but i'm pretty certain the last one was 99 with shadow but you know check out the one with shadow last week because that was absolutely incredible um the one part one of that chat was a lot more heavy into the entrepreneurial stuff and you know uh his rising up as becoming a rapper and a manga author and everything else that he does because he's a <laughs> he's a very busy guy um, and if you really like this chat i recommend you go back and check out my chat with uh, tom king uh, that's a lot about um, he's a very very successful individual as well as well as dr glenn livingston i think they're around episode 
40-ish, I'd say. I think that's around the thing. I haven't looked and I don't have my phone on me, so apologies for that. But um, I'm going to stop rambling now because this outro is becoming insanely long and I just talked about Star Wars for no reason in the middle. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate everyone listening and sharing, etc., etc. I hope you enjoyed the chat and I really hope you'll be joining me uh, next week for my chat who with someone I can't mention at the moment. So um yeah, I'll uh, I'll talk to all of you hopefully next week.